The Fourth Wall, Episode 24, Jefferson Friedman. You're listening to The Fourth Wall, a podcast that takes you beyond the screen or the page and brings you into our conversations with the creative people behind your favorite movies, TV shows, comics, and more. My name is Michael R. I'm the podcast editor here at Den of Geek, and today we're talking to a composer. We've had a few on the show before. This one is actually from one of the new DC Universe shows, and that's Jefferson Friedman, who is scoring the new animated adult comedy, Harley Quinn, and it's just been such a great show on this new service. Now, it's not something that is too far from Jefferson Friedman's previous experience because he did actually write the score for the short-lived Powerless, another DC comedy, a live-action one that didn't last very long. But strangely enough, Jefferson Friedman is also writing the score on the new medical drama that's really doing well for NBC, New Amsterdam. But this is in a completely different vein, although we will talk a little bit about that in this interview. But we're really here to talk about Harley Quinn because Harley Quinn just started on DC Universe as this podcast comes out. The second episode is airing, and we are actually going to talk a little bit in a non-spoilery way about some of the things that are in that second episode. So if you do want to avoid mild spoilers, you should keep that in mind until you've seen the second episode of Harley Quinn. But it's just such a great show. It's just got a great cast. Of course, Kaylee Cuoco playing Harley Quinn and Lake Bell providing the voice of Poison Ivy and even Alan Tudyk, a animation veteran playing Calendar Man. But it's just basically a show that really relies heavily on its soundtrack because, of course, there's a lot of different moods. You've got to go for comedy, but you also have to go for gruesome violence. And with the adult content that's in this series, Jefferson Friedman had a very uh, unique job ahead of him as the composer for this show. So here we are talking to Jefferson Friedman about composing the music for Harley Quinn. All right. Well, thanks for joining me today, Jefferson. I appreciate it. Of course. Of course. And now we're here to talk about, of course, Harley Quinn on DC Universe, but uh, you're also scoring the big medical drama, New Amsterdam. What would you say is the biggest difference between scoring for animation versus scoring for live action? I mean, obviously those shows are very different, but is there a difference for the format as well? Well, I think with animation, you actually get a lot more room for music, if that makes any sense, uh, just because everything is constructed from the ground up and all of the dialogue is recorded in a booth. And so you can make bigger gestures with music and not have to worry about getting in the way of dialogue in the same way that you do with live action. As far as similarities between the two, you know, like I uh, write a lot of the... Um, yeah, I do that score uh, with my uh, good friend, Craig Wedren. And so one of my jobs is to write most of the ER scenes. And writing a ER scene is very similar to writing a fight sequence for Harley Quinn. You know, you just sort of like structure the music in a very similar way, even though it sounds completely different. On that same score, do you think audiences have different expectations when they're watching animation, even if they might not know it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that animation, I mean, obviously there's all sorts of different kinds of animation and all sorts of different kinds of music work with different kinds of animation. But for a show like 
Harley, which is so clearly referential to like Batman, the animated series and like other sort of more classically drawn uh, animated shows, then the music should feel like that. So it's like, I guess for me, it was very important to make sure that the feeling of the music matched the feeling of the art design and the character design. Well, that's interesting that you say that because with Harley Quinn, there's, a lot of adult humor, but also violence and darker moments. So is it difficult to skip back and forth between more jaunty playfulness, but also some moments of tension in the music? Yeah, well, I think there's violence in this show that is funny. And then there's violence in this show that is is not funny and meant to sort of propel the major plot points forward. And so you treat those things musically completely differently. And uh, it was also important to me to make sure that there was always still something fun about the ultra violence in it, you know, (laughs) like, yeah, (laughs) uh, I mean, you have to sort of play it ironically or against type and then it sort of makes it more palatable and also kind of more sick and more violent. And also, but then also kind of like campy and funny at the same time, if that makes sense. Oh, of course. And in fact, you mentioned the fact that the fight scenes in Harley Quinn are very similar to your ER scenes in New Amsterdam. And I'm thinking of in episode one, when Harley Quinn goes up against Joker's henchmen, Mm -hmm. it's filled with some pretty impressive drum beats and guitar licks. Can you tell us what went into that? Uh, So for a scene like that, Basically, what you want to do is sort of map out the action. It's almost like writing music for a ballet, sort of like the reverse of how a ballet would be done. So obviously for a ballet, you have the music first and the choreographer choreographs the dance to it. In this case, it's the opposite. The, The dance is done, and then I have to write the music to support it. And so... You know, the way I do it is sort of map out the whole action scene and write a rhythm track that kind of flows with the scene and hits certain beats and stuff. And then take that rhythm track and uh, write some drum stuff that sort of accentuates movements and like gives it some shape and form and and, uh, highlights certain things. And then obviously you got the like, uh, and then you throw in some of those like big horn rips for like big hammer hits or baseball bat hits and stuff. And, um, and then as far as the guitar stuff goes, that's just a, you know, that, that was part of Harley's sound that me and the uh, producers came up with at the beginning of the show, which is that, you know, cause she's got her like punk look by the end of the first episode. And so just a reference that visual style of hers, um, I felt like her particular material had to have kind of a punky sound to it. Yeah, that's interesting because she starts out with a kind of carnival organ mm-hmm. uh, soundtrack for herself. And and yeah. I noticed that because this show is adult themed and it takes a moment for the audience perhaps to adjust to that, it's still an animated show. So as a composer, did you have to step outside of a certain comfort zone or a given palette that people expect for animated 
series to make it sound more adult themed or, or did that not come into play? You know, to be honest, there's a giant palette of different kinds of music to this show. And there's, you know, there's actually zero licensing budget. So every single piece of music that you hear on the show was written by me. So like the news broadcast music and like the stuff that you hear in the background, the bars and all that stuff, like that's all in house. And so there's just like very, very many different kinds of music to write. And so as far as like the comic book kind of stuff, there's, you have like your traditional superhero type music. For example, the theme that I wrote for Batman is like very straight up the middle superhero music, uh, classic superhero music. And then you have the modern, sort of more modern style uh, superhero stuff. But then paired with that, there's also like kind of a, in, there's some stuff that sounds like indie movie, has an indie movie sensibility to it because there are these intimate moments. So I guess for me, the way I had to skew it was not, it, it's adult, not in a violent, okay, so it's, an, it's adult in a violent way also very adult in like a mature way and the and the difference in the music that i wrote came more with the adult mature stuff like the relationships between characters and so i got had the opportunity to actually write some like poignant emotional uh music for these characters that the writers and the designers like made very three-dimensional so it was like you know a joy to sort of add to that three-dimensionality so now, uh, by the time this article com- comes out, uh, the second episode will have aired. So I mm-hmm. have to ask a little bit about the the Kabbalpot bar mitzvah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Because you mentioned that you had to score everything, including the background music. And I'm thinking of the instrumentation at this party, mm-hmm. where it sounds like the band that perhaps the Kabbalpots hired for their son's party yeah. was back there. You're telling me that that was something you had to design as well? <laughs> yep. All that music was written by me and my team. One of my team members, uh, Christopher French, or CM French, um, I don't know what the best way to look him up online is, but he led uh, a lot of those like party songs for the bar mitzvah and did a fantastic job. So, yeah, all that, all that bar mitzvah music, that's all, uh, that's all Spanish announce table, which is my, <laughs> com- my company's name. <laughs> Well, at that same bar mitzvah, we have this wonderful entrance that Harley makes with a tiger and everything like that. That must have been mm-hmm. a lot of fun to score that sequence. Definitely. How did that idea develop considering how much of the visual elements that you needed to incorporate? Uh, well, they had tempted something there that I can't remember exactly what it was. It was... I think it was a Beyonce song or tell the audience tell our listeners what, (laughs) what is temp music and how does that work? So when I get a show, sometimes when the uh, producers have a very specific idea of a, of what they want a scene to sound like, uh, then they'll already have music put in there just to give me an idea of what world and what kind of sound. And so uh, when I got this episode, that scene had already had um, like a super popular song, the current contemporary pop song there. And I wish I could remember which one off the top of my head, because this would be a way better story. But, um, (laughs) but, but, 
what I imagine happened, and I, I can't be sure, but uh, I would imagine that the animators actually animated that scene to that song, which is sort of the reverse process that I was talking about. And so they had, I think they had probably animated it to the beat of that song so that when I replaced it, it was easy to write a song that went along with the visuals because the visuals had already been made to a beat. So uh, roundabout. But, but I hope that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it does. Well, actually, it, it's interesting because those two things, the background music at the bar mitzvah and that entrance, also have sound effects incorporated, whether it's just the, the cocktail party, clinking glasses or whatever like that, and the swooshes and strikes that come in that in that uh, entrance that Harley makes. Is that you as well, or is that come in some other part of post-production? No, that's uh, George Peters, our insane, amazing mixer slash sound effects editor. Um, <laughs> so George, so I finish the music and send all the music over to George. G- George has actually been at in, in this process from the very beginning. So he recorded all the voices um, of all the actors. And then when the animation comes back, he adds sound effects. Uh, sort of temp sound effects and then I get the show and I add the music and then the music gets approved by the producers and then I send the music over to George and George puts it all together with like brand new sound effects and makes the dialogue and the sound effects and the music all blend together in the way you hear it for the final product. Oh, so when you're composing your music, you're not necessarily listening to the actual voice actors and their performance. No, I am. So that's, this is actually, oh. a, um, so, you know, the animation is animated to the vo- to the voice performances. That's the first thing that happens is they record the voices and then they animate it to it. And so the canvas on which everything is built are these uh, voice performances. And so, yeah, I, I definitely get like sometimes, you know, I'll get shows that are just animatic sometimes. And I don't know if you know what an animatic is, but it's yeah. basically <laughs> like a, it's like a moving storyboard. But the voices are locked. So sometimes I'll get shows where the voices are exactly what they're going to be when it airs. But I'll get sort of like crudely drawn animatics um, that then gradually get replaced by more and more official looking graphics yeah because i would think the the performances of the actors would be pretty key to your to your inspiration as it were of course i mean with a cast like this it's impossible not to be inspired they're all incredible <laughs> like i like i love every single one of these actors they did such an amazing job now we're catching you at the very beginning of the airing of harley quinn can you tease one element of the show that you're looking forward to fans getting to see or hear either just from the story standpoint or from your soundtrack? Uh, you know, just last night I went through all the cold opens. And again, it's like an in, insider term, but a cold open is anything that happens before the theme song. Now, when we sat down and I showed them the review of the first episode that we did, which was actually episode three, we were sitting there uh, in the writer's room and the show started and the DC logo popped up and it was totally silent. And I made the joke, uh, oh, I forgot to write music for that, assuming that they were just going to use the normal DC logo music that they use for everything that's on DC. 
And they were like, well, actually, <laughs> uh, there is no official DC logo music. So you should probably write something. And then I was like, well, you know, what would be really fun is if we sort of set the scene for every episode by having that DC logo music be different for each episode that kind of like leads into what happens in the first scene. And so I got the kind of amazing opportunity as a composer to have the audience just listen to my music for 15 seconds with basically nothing else going on to just sort of set the mood and the vibe for the particular episode. And so it was not only fun, but like a really special opportunity. And so I hope everybody likes it. Yeah, actually, I was, I was going to ask about that, but I assumed that you hadn't written that. So it's good to hear that, that that's, your, uh, that's your work. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, thanks so much for talking to us today, Jefferson. We really appreciate you, and we, and we are looking forward to seeing the rest of Harley Quinn on DC Universe. I'm looking forward for everybody to see it. I think it's a fantastic show. I would watch it so much if I wasn't involved in it. <laughs> All right, and I, I guess you can probably tell that Jefferson is very much a fan of his own show. And that's always a great recipe for putting out some great content. And I really liked how he broke down the process behind how this comes about with an animation sequence like this and, and how some of his composing on other shows is similar and different to what he has to do for Harley Quinn. But I have to say, because I was focusing in specifically on the music as I prepared for this interview, as I watched the first episode of Harley Quinn and the second one, I really got a deeper appreciation for what composers do. And, and again, I've talked to a lot of different composers on this podcast and on the Den of Geek podcast and on Sci-Fi Fidelity as well, one of our other podcasts here on Den of Geek. And it's always just a fascinating conversation, especially since composers are always happy to talk about their craft. They seem very enthusiastic and, and what a great gig this must be for Jefferson Friedman as he's relatively new in his career and doing great. This show is really a part of that. So I hope you guys are enjoying Harley Quinn on DC Universe, but that'll wrap things up for this episode. Come back in two weeks for the next edition of the podcast, when we'll break through the fourth wall once again to talk to another creator or performer behind the entertainment that you love. Remember to follow Den of Geek on Twitter and Facebook at Den of Geek US. My name is Michael R., and you can follow me at Mike Sci-Fi. Find more content at denofgeek.com. And thanks for listening. Join us again next time, Beyond the Fourth Wall. Mm-hmm.